Let me open it with a word of prayer. Heavenly Father, Lord, we settle in now and we want to hear from you. We are eager to open your word and to grow and learn from it. For we know that in this book, uh, it contains your truth, God. Truth that is different than, than another textbook that we've opened, and we've opened many of those. But there's a kind of truth in here, in your word, Lord, that transcends all earthly knowledge. Because it comes from you, Lord. You, the creator, the sustainer of this universe, the Alpha and the Omega, the beginning and the end. Lord, we seek your wisdom and your truth. Would your spirit now just guide us as we study your word, help us to pull from it truths that we could apply to our lives, truths that could change us and transform us. We pray in Jesus' name, amen. Well, my family uh, and I, we had uh, the great uh, distinct privilege of, um, of mortgaging our home to buy Disneyland tickets uh, a number of weeks ago. And we mortgaged the parsonage, you know, there's a, there's a little bit of equity left. But we, we pulled all the money out and we went to Disneyland. It was incredible. We had such a wonderful day. And we hadn't been there in a, in a couple of years, uh, maybe two or three years. Uh, and uh, it was Amelia's first time at Disneyland. And so she was awestruck by all the princesses and, and Ariel and Snow White and Belle. And, and she was just in heaven. And, uh, but, but really much of the day was spent with my son ahead of us. Ahead of us. And you know what I mean, those of you who have kids. Uh, you go to Disneyland or any old amusement park and, and all of a sudden your kids, they run ahead of you. Far ahead of you. The older they get, the further, you know, further ahead they go. And Bennett, the whole time, and I mean the whole time, from the start of the day to the end of the day, the whole time, Bennett is 20, 30, 40, 50 feet ahead of me going, Dad, this way. Dad, over here. Dad, look at this. Dad, over here. Come on, come on, come on, come on. Bennett was so excited to be there. And he, he had, he knew where to go. He had an agenda. He knew which way he wanted to go. He knew which turn to make. He knew which ride to go to next. And Bennett was just focused, zeroed in on moving ahead of us, getting ahead of us, and showing the way. Well, today in the Gospel of Luke, uh, someone is going to run ahead of Jesus. He's going to run ahead, not because he knows which way he's going. He doesn't know which way he's going. In fact, he's quite lost. But he's going to run ahead and he's going to sit down in a tree. And he's going to wait for Jesus to come. He doesn't have an agenda. He, he doesn't know where he's going in life, unlike my son at Disneyland. But Zacchaeus is going to run off ahead, climb a sycamore tree, and sit and wait for Jesus to come. Recently in the Gospel of Luke, um, as, we've appro- as we approach this story in Luke 19, we've witnessed Jesus um, growing in frustration with his people. In Luke 17, Jesus was agitated at the nine Jewish lepers who didn't come back and show gratitude 
for their healing. In Luke 18, Jesus is disappointed. Uh, Pastor Tom's message last week, Jesus is disappointed in, in, the, in the Pharisee who looks up to heaven and speaks mighty and glorious prayers, thanking God for himself. At this point in Luke, we might get the impression that Jesus is just kind of done with his people. <laughs> but he wasn't. And Luke takes time here to demonstrate that. At the end of Luke 18, he shows Jesus having favor upon a Jewish man near Jericho. And in our story today, in Luke 19, we'll soon see Jesus showing grace upon another Jewish house. Jesus wasn't done with his people, with his community. He loved them dearly. It's just that very few of them were responding to Jesus. And the few who were responding to Jesus, well, let's just say they weren't your typical Israelites. The Jewish man whom Jesus showed favor to in the story before this one was a blind Jewish man at the end of Luke 18. And in our story today in Luke 19, the Jewish man whom Jesus befriends, well, he was a tax collector. Jesus was not done with his people. He was merely going to that part of his community that would still have him. Let me say that again. Jesus was not done with his people. He was merely going to that part of his community that would still have him. The title of this message is, Go. Go where the Lord is going. Go where the Lord is going. Would you stand with me as we read from Luke 19, verses 1 through 10. Luke 19, 1 through 10. Luke narrates, beginning in verse 1. He writes, Then Jesus entered and passed through Jericho. Now behold, there was a man named Zacchaeus, who was a chief tax collector. And he was rich. And he sought to see who Jesus was. But he could not. Because of the crowd, for he was of short stature. So he ran ahead and he climbed up into a sycamore tree to see Jesus, for he was going to pass that way. And when Jesus came to the place, he looked up and he saw him and he said to him, Zacchaeus, make haste and come down, for today I must stay at your house. So Zacchaeus made haste. And he came down and received Jesus joyfully. But when they saw it, that is the crowd, when they saw it, they all complained, saying, Jesus has gone to be a guest with a man who is a sinner? Then Zacchaeus stood and said to the Lord, Look, Lord, I give half of my goods to the poor. And if I've taken anything from anyone, by, by false accusation, I restore fourfold. And Jesus said to Zacchaeus, Today, salvation has come to this house, because he also is a son of Abraham. For the Son of Man has come to seek and to save that which was lost. You may be seated. Zacchaeus. What do we know about this man? Well, if we start at the end of, of verse 3, we see that he was a man of short stature. 
Literally in Greek, I believe it's translated, Zacchaeus was a wee little man. A wee little man was he. But my Greek is getting rusty, so Bob, you can check that for me later. I, I don't know if that's the right translation, but anyhow. Uh, how many of you grew up singing that old children's rhyme? How many of you would like to sing it right now? <laughs> Scott! <laughs> I'll, I will spare you Scott's version of this, you know, of this song. For those of you who don't know what we're talking about, stick around after the service and, and Scott can teach it to you. Indeed, Zacchaeus was a wee little man. He was a man of short stature. He was, uh, he was, he was short, he was tiny. And with, uh, with their eyes, the Jews perceived Zacchaeus to be a very short man, with their eyes. But with their hearts and with their minds, when they looked upon Zacchaeus, uh, he was quite large and ominous. Uh, he was a very large nemesis of the people. Zacchaeus was a tax collector. Verse 1, Then Jesus entered and passed through Jericho. Now behold, there was a man named Zacchaeus who was a chief tax collector, and he was rich. A little history on uh, tax collecting in uh, the ancient Near East. The... the uh, the tax collectors of 2,000 years ago in the ancient Near East, they, they would do a couple of different things. For some of them, they would be assigned kind of a door-to-door thing, more, mainly in the poorer villages, the villages in which all commerce was kind of internal and within the village. But then the majority of tax collectors went to uh, a tax booth, so to speak, on the major trade routes going north to south and east to west. And they would set up a little tax booth on the trade route. And as merchants would come with their goods and with their produce, the tax collector would step outside the, the booth, the, the little covering, and, and say, let me inspect your goods, let me inspect your produce, and he would assess or he would levy a, a tax based on how much goods and uh, uh, materials that the merchant was bringing to and from the, the various towns and villages. The chief tax collector, was that was a special designation. In fact, you only see that one time in the New Testament. The chief tax collector right here. The chief tax collector was a leader or a manager of a group of tax collectors. The chief tax collector was really a negotiator. He was, a, he was the contractor. And he would bid, get this, he would bid on tax contracts with Herod, who himself was negotiating with Rome and Caesar. So the, the Jewish chief tax collectors would, would gather at, at, at Herod's palace and together they would bid, they would outbid one another. Who can, who can collect the taxes for the, the lowest rate? Who can collect the most taxes for the lowest rate? And they would bid and they would negotiate with Herod who was himself negotiating with, with Caesar, with Rome. Well, as with any contractor, the lowest price usually wins. So we can safely assume that Zacchaeus, he was a master at negotiating. He slashed his prices so low, as low as they could go. And he gave Herod a deal he could not refuse. And so, for his little region, his little portion of the community, Zacchaeus became 
the chief tax collector in the region of Jericho. Now, how could Zacchaeus afford such a slim margin of profit? Well, simple. You see, Zacchaeus and the tax collectors of the ancient Near East had another way of earning a buck. They could steal it from the Jewish people. Zacchaeus and his fellow tax collectors, they would calculate the minimum that was required, that was due to Herod and thus to Caesar. They would calculate the minimum that was due to Herod and to Caesar. But then, then they would tack on a premium, a surcharge of sorts on top of that. The surcharge was always, of course, higher. In fact, it was, it went as high as their negotiated price with Herod went low. As they saved money, it saved Herod money and said, look how low we can do it. Their premiums and their surcharges would go up. As they pass along, uh, pass along their, their, their desire for profit to the people. They would steal it from the people. Zacchaeus was a man who looked out for Herod's bottom line and who cared little about the livelihood of his own countrymen. He was a traitor and fewer people were more despised by the Jews than tax collectors. And I think to myself, my, how times have changed. I mean, the Israelites, you know, they had an abusive tax system. But here, 2,000 years removed from that, from removed from such abuses, we as Americans, we have a deep regard and a fond affection for the Internal Revenue Service. I mean, they levy taxes in righteousness. We sing songs about it. Never has anyone been audited who was not, of course, a criminal. And the way in which they vigilantly protect the free speech rights of churches. Oh, it's beautiful. Warms my heart. Kidding aside, Zacchaeus was a crook. He was a jerk. He sold out to Herod. He sold out to Rome. He was a traitor. He got rich off the backs of his own people. His own people. But somebody got to him. Somebody got his attention. Verse 3. And Zacchaeus sought to see who Jesus was. But he could not because of the crowd, for he was of short stature. So he ran ahead and climbed up into a sycamore tree to see Jesus, for he was going to pass that way. Someone got Zacchaeus' attention. It was Jesus. Jesus was passing through Jericho. He was along the, uh, the, the eastern side of the nation of Israel. He was along the, the Jordan River, going down through Jericho and then across to Jerusalem for really his, uh, his final trip into Jerusalem. We're nearing the end of Jesus' life. And it seemed that the people of Israel could kind of sense that the, that the, that the tension was rising between the way of Jesus and the way of the Jewish religious leaders. They knew something had to give, and the size of the crowd bore evidence to the drama. And I do mean a very large crowd, because when you read this, this story here, we can imagine Jesus going down a road, a, a dirt road of Jericho, and, and the, the crowd, it must have been three, four, five rows back, because Zacchaeus, being a short man, he could not so much as peer over the people to get a good look at Jesus. And so for a long stretch on this road, a parade-like crowd envelops Jesus. 
The crowd was so thick, a short man like Zacchaeus could not even see him. And so what did he do? He ran ahead. He ran ahead. And he climbed a tree. He anticipated where the Lord was going. And uh, he went ahead and lifted himself up among the branches. He didn't know Jesus. He didn't know him from Adam. He had heard stories of him, countless stories. But he had never seen him before until now. It was quiet in the branches. It was away from all the, the hustle and bustle of the crowds. A place just to sit and observe. A place to hide. Zacchaeus knew that, that no one no one wanted to see him anyway. Not least a prophet of Israel. He knew that the, the Jewish prophets were notorious for calling out those who exploit and those who mistreat. So if this Jesus was indeed a prophet, Zacchaeus thought, he, he wasn't going to take any chances by being near him. So instead he climbed a tree and hid behind branches. Verse 5. And when Jesus came to the place, the place where Zacchaeus was, he looked up and saw him and said to him, Zacchaeus, make haste and come down. For today, I must stay at your house. So much for Zacchaeus' plan to hide and take cover. Jericho streets teeming with people everywhere. Jesus making his way through the crowds and suddenly he stops on a dime. And he looks across the street and he looks up into a tree and he tells, he, po- he points at him. He says, Zacchaeus, come down. Make haste. Come down from there. I'm going to your house today. The crowd, three, four, five rows back. They, they're looking at Jesus. They turn around, huh? What? That guy? Are you kidding? Now, Zacchaeus, he's up in the tree. He's trying to figure out what just happened. Uh, in, in a... Uh, we can talk about what it's like in a, in a first century context, but let's start with a 21st century context. I, put, I read this story and then I think of, uh, of my wife and I think of uh, uh, how she just loves, I mean, she loves uh, unannounced visitors. Don't you? No, she doesn't, all right? She, she would be the first to say it. If you're going to come to our home, she, she does want at least a text message or at least a phone call or an email or whatever. You know, showing up unannounced, it's like, whoa, we're not ready. We're not ready. We've got to get the house ready. We've got to clean this and clean that and move this around, move that around and, and get, buy some food and make sure everything's ready to go. She won't even serve you guys day-old cookies at my house. It's got to be fresh cookies. You know what I'm saying? Well, that's a 21st century context, especially in uh, South Orange County. Not so much in the, in the Old South, but in South Orange County, you know, you, you call ahead, you, you plan ahead, maybe a few days' notice, a few weeks' notice. No, not so in the first century. In the first century, what Jesus did was, was hardly rude at all. Hardly rude at all. In fact, it wasn't rude. In fact, it was a great honor, it was a great privilege. It was the greatest privilege that Jesus, a a traveling rabbi, a traveling prophet in the eyes of the people, 
It was the greatest privilege that Jesus could do for someone was to stay at their home. For Zacchaeus, it was a tremendous honor what Jesus just did. Verse 6, so Zacchaeus made haste and he came down and he received Jesus joyfully. Zacchaeus was deeply honored by Jesus' request to stay in his home. But the rest of Jericho, they were completely dumbfounded and irritated. Look at verse 7. Verse 7 reads, but when they saw it, that is the crowd, they all complained, saying, he is gone to be a guest with a man who is a sinner? All the city was against this man. All the city of Jericho were against Zacchaeus. He was a sinner, a sinner of the worst kind. And they could not imagine. Here they were putting on a parade for Jesus. Having just healed a blind man. They were, they were perplexed by this man, this rabbi, this teacher, potentially the Messiah. They weren't sure. And he's walking in their midst and they're fawning over him. Jesus, come with us. Jesus, come to my home. No, Jesus. And Jesus points in a tree and calls down a man in hiding. A tax collector, the chief tax collector of the region, says, I want to go to your house. Surely they thought, Jesus, oh, you must be ignorant. Surely this is not the place where a righteous man is to go. Surely this is not the place where a godly man should go, where a godly man should, should associate himself with how often do we think like that we think to ourselves lord surely this surely this is not the person that you want me to invest my time and energy and resources with lord surely there's there's other people that i can you know bestow my greatness upon surely it's not this person that you want me to minister to lord is it Lord, surely it's not this place that you want me to go. I mean, no one will see what I do here. No one will even know that I'm serving you in this place, Lord. Surely there's a better place, a bigger stage, where, where all of my talents can be on display and you can be more glorified, Lord. Isn't there a better place for me to go and serve? Lord, don't ask me to go where I'm uncomfortable, where it's unpleasant. You know where the sinners are. Luke, in recounting the story, is beginning to suggest maybe we should go where the Lord is going. In our story today, Jesus wasn't going for the adoring crowds. It would have been really easy to stay, on that, stay in that parade. I mean, three, four, five rows back, hundreds, thousands coming out to see him. Men, women, and children, calling out his name. It would have been really easy to keep walking on that road. Jesus wasn't looking for adoration from the crowds. He wasn't looking for them to fawn over him and who he was. He was going straight for Zacchaeus, the tax collector, the exploiter 
the sinner. And the crowds, they didn't like where Jesus was going. So they tried to convince him out of it. Lord, you don't want to go there. You don't want to go there. He's a sinner. Zacchaeus, he was no fool. He knew, he knew exactly. He knew exactly what was happening. He knew that everything the people were saying about him was true, completely true. He couldn't hide from it. Zacchaeus feared that the more Jesus listened to the crowd's accusations, that there was a chance, there, actually there was a really good chance, that Jesus would change his mind and find a more pious man who could feed and host him. Zacchaeus was no fool. He knew that this, this, was, the, this was the moment. This was the do or die moment. Either, either Jesus was going to listen to the, the accusations of the crowds and, and they were all true. And he was going to change his mind and say, you know what, never mind Zacchaeus. I'll, uh, let me find a better man for that. Let me find a better place, a cleaner place. Zacchaeus was desperate though. He was desperate. To have that honor, to host this rabbi, this prophet, this one that that everyone, everyone was talking about. And something happened in Zacchaeus' heart. He thought within himself, "I'll, I'll do anything. I will do anything to keep Jesus here. I will do whatever it takes for Jesus to walk into my home and be with my wife and my children. His presence is an honor to me and I will do anything to receive that presence. I'll do anything to have him in my home. Verse 8, then Zacchaeus stood. He got down from the tree. He, he, he had already greeted Jesus. He was about to take him to his home, but he's, the crowds, they were, they were accusing, accusing, accusing. And he stood and he said to the Lord, look, Lord, I give half of my goods to the poor. And if I have taken anything from anyone by false accusation, I restore fourfold. Jesus, everything they say about me is true. I acknowledge all of it, but I beg you to stay. I will do whatever you ask. I will give half of my goods to the poor. If, if there's anyone here, anyone at all here, in, in these, with these throngs of people, if there's anyone here whom I have stolen from, And I know there are many. If there's anyone here whom I have stolen from, taken from, wronged, cheated, I will do whatever it takes to restore to them what I've taken and I'll quadruple it. Fourfold. I will spend the rest of my life paying these people back, paying my people back, paying my community back, Jesus. Please 
come to my home. I'll give up my job if it's required. I will indenture myself to my fellow countrymen for the rest of my life, forever making amends. The people of Jericho supposed that Jesus was going the wrong way. That he picked the wrong man. And yet, Jesus' choice to dine and to stay with a most unlikely individual was in fact a decision that would ultimately transform the entire community. One unusual movement of God and thousands in Jericho were blessed because of it. Despite their protest, (laughs) despite them not wanting it, one unusual movement of God and thousands were blessed by it. Jesus listened to Zacchaeus' plea, and I imagine him smiling, knowing that the Spirit's work had already been done in Zacchaeus. And Jesus looked at Zacchaeus, but he spoke loud enough for all to hear. Verse 9, and Jesus said to him, Today, today, salvation has come to this house, because he also is a son of Abraham, For the Son of Man has come to seek and to save that which was lost. Jesus says, I'm not done with my people. Not all of you are beyond hope. There are blind men who still seek me. Even tax collectors can see the light if they'll humble themselves. Today, salvation has come to this house, to this man, this sinner. He is a son of Abraham. Jesus wasn't through with his people. He's certainly not through with you and I. His mission is the same as always. To seek and to save that which was lost. Now it's incumbent upon us to just figure out where Jesus is going. To figure out where the Spirit is leading. I mentioned that... uh, the start of this message that that Bennett he would run ahead man he would run ahead dad I know where I'm going dad follow me mom dad come on he wanted to go this way and that way and to this ride and that ride he would he would always go up to to the rides with the longest lines the longest lines. I mean, we'd go up to Pirates of the Caribbean and there'd be, it'd be a 60-minute wait. And we'd go over to Indiana Jones and it'd be an hour and a 15-minute wait. But nonetheless, that's where Bennett would want to stand. He was running ahead of us, running ahead saying, I know where I'm going. Follow me. Follow me. All the while. All the while. I had a pocket full of fast passes. You know what a fast pass is? A fast pass, for you novices, is a pass that gets you on the rides infinitely faster. You don't get very many of those. You've got to use them judiciously. 
You got to go from ride to ride, getting these fast passes and collecting them over time. But when you've got a stack of fast passes in your hand at Disneyland, you don't wait 60 minutes for Pirates or an hour and 15 for Indiana Jones. And Indiana Jones, while everyone else is waiting 75 minutes, you show them your fast pass and you go straight to the front of the line. You maybe wait five, 10 minutes max. We can be like the people of Jericho, running ahead of Jesus. Follow me, Lord, this way. We know where we're going. We know which way to go. Follow us, Lord. We're, we're going to lead the way. We know which home you need to go into. We know which people you need to meet. We know which places you need to go. It's clean. It's comfortable. We'll make it easy. Or we can stop telling God where to go and wait for the Father to reveal his wonderful plan. A plan that will be greater than we could have ever envisioned it. More rides, more fun, a quarter of the wait. A fast pass from the Heavenly Father. So let's quietly perch ourselves in the sycamore tree. And watch where the Lord goes. Zacchaeus was a wee little man. But God did wondrous things in him. And through him. To an entire community. That promise. That that promise. That Zacchaeus made. There's no record. Of. uh, Of whether he made good on it. Not in the scriptures. Nor any of ancient literature there's no there's no record of whether Zacchaeus made good on that promise but I can tell you this that man who was one of the most powerful men in all of Jericho God got a hold of that man changed his heart and it transformed how he viewed his people and it transformed the way he wanted to serve his people I believe that he spent all of his days making amends, changing the way he conducted business. Where's the Lord going? Where is he telling you to go? Please listen and obey. As you do, you will not only experience transformation in your heart, but the spirit in you will reach out and touch entire communities in ways you could not have imagined. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, Lord, we confess that we like to run ahead of you. Uh, We think we know what's best, Lord. We make that error every day. We think we know where you're going, Lord. We think we uh, have the corner on your plan, and uh, we like to roll out the red carpet for you, Lord, and make it neat and easy and, and clean, and something that's familiar and comfortable and easy. And yet, Lord, time and time again, we see your son Jesus avoiding that red carpet reception and instead going off the beaten path, moving away from the crowds that were walking before him and finding something unique and unusual and out of the ordinary, something that everyone else thinks, Lord, is a complete waste of time. And yet you, Lord, you show up 
and you change one life and then you change thousands. I'm inspired, Lord, by this wonderful story. It's not just for kids. It's for all of us. I thank you for the story of Zacchaeus. I pray that we would not get too far ahead of you, Lord. If we are ahead of you, let us sit down in a tree and watch you and wait for you. We want you to go forward, Lord. We want you to show us the way. And where you go, help us to follow. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.